Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. And this chair is very creaky. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, (laughs) This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thanks for joining us today as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. We are back. Did we? No. We recorded last week. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's been longer, but... I get, oh, it was my first week back for the semester, so I probably just am a little, <laughs> it's probably been crazy, a little more sure. zonked than yeah. usual. Um, also, I've, I so we're recording this on Monday, September 5th. So last night, we drove to Atlanta for a Streetlight Manifesto concert and then drove back after the concert. And the Sunday before yesterday... So eight days ago, we drove to Huntsville for a Black Keys concert. Oh, dude, I forgot you went to that. How was that? Yeah, it was really good. And the venue, like for those of you in the Alabama area, um, the Orion Amphitheater in Huntsville, Alabama is like one of the coolest venues I've ever been to, like period. It's this big outdoor amphitheater, but they've got like really nice amenities um, parking super convenient. They just had like all dotted around, like if you imagine like the Roman Colosseum, like the outside circle, just like food trucks and and like beverage, uh, like coolers with people selling and stuff. Like super easy to get like food and and a variety of food and like really nice. It's set like the sound was super good. Nice. Every seat was good. Like we were like towards the back, but it was it was easy to see crazy and then we went to this place in atlanta last night uh called the eastern which was even even cooler it was like a smaller indoor thing but so i've been like all over the place and i'm i'm going back to atlanta in like three weeks for another concert so i've, I've got a busy concert season Dude, which same. honestly like I'm i pumped. usually go to con i usually go to like well before covid stuff I, I usually go to like one concert a year so it's a little weird like like one a week three in a month <laughs> like th- one a week three in a month is like a little bit like I, I'm not complaining; it's awesome, yeah. but uh, it is a little bit unusual. But um, yeah, so I, my t- my sense of time is apparently all out of whack. Uh, so we did record last week, so we're not coming back to you after a <laughs> after a behind the well, scenes. I will. Break. I will say though. I mean, my <laughs> August was absolutely mind bendingly crazy. I mean, between getting sick with COVID one week, the the, the following week we had a, a family camping trip. And then the next week, my wife had some some stuff come up where we were in the hospital. And so, like, just the, the whole freaking month of August. Like, I before August, I had something like 100 hours of PTO uh, available to me. And I now have, like, 15 because I had to take so much paid time off between sickness and holiday and uh, all this other stuff. So I, I also, I feel like you and I, even though we did, I feel like we didn't record in the month of August just because of how crazy my schedule has been. So now that it's a new month, now that hopefully we're out of the weeds on some of these yeah. things, I'm hoping that it'll feel somewhat normal again. And I don't know. Yeah. New, new month, new, new school year for me. So it just feels like a very fresh time, uh, which I know, you know, most people don't, don't have that like marking of the passing of time but but I still do so it feels very new so uh I can I feel like I can see clearly the next uh 
the next the next uh, few months of, of recording and releasing Doxology episodes. I see starting what you did there. with yeah, starting with you could because it was very clear what I was doing. That today we're we're talking about, um, well, I guess asking the question and talking about various ways of answering that question. Maybe is the Bible clear? And that is going to be our launching off, our, our, our starting point for, for today's discussion. But obviously, like everything, uh, we need to make sure that we understand what we're talking about if we're going to actually be able to talk about it. So I think Bible, we, we, we're probably all operating with a fairly consistent definition of what the Bible is. Um, we're just going to go with the, the, you know, the simple go to the store, buy a Bible. That's what we're talking about, right? The Bible, um, the Holy Bible, the Christian Bible, the Word of God. And we're operating here on this podcast with the assumption that it is the Word of God. And there's a lot of things that are entailed with that that we don't necessarily need to get into just for the sake of time and and not going too far afield of our topic. Um, But we're going to just take sort of a, a, I think it's helpful to just say up front, take a baseline, you know, we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it is authoritative. We just, you know, believe it is where we get what we need for life and godliness. We believe that what it says about itself is true, et cetera, et cetera. So we're just gonna we're gonna get that out of the way. Like, shouldn't be a surprise if you've listened to us before. Um, but if you maybe just throw us on in the background and don't pay much, too much attention or are new here, that's where we're gonna be operating from in terms of how we view the, the the role of the Bible and the place of the Bible in in, in uh, the Christian faith and the Christian life, um, and then clear. So I guess what I guess, there's probably a bunch of ways we could we could think about what we mean by clarity. I don't know if there's um, necessarily like one like only one way to say that that makes sense, but at least you know I'll kick it to you, but bef- but before then, when I say, is the Bible clear? For clarity, I'm thinking like, can you pick up the Bible and assuming that you're genuinely, you know, reading it with with the attempt to understand what it's saying um, in a language that you understand, like, like I wouldn't, I, you know, if you don't know Greek, reading something in Greek isn't going to help you. Um, but so, so assuming that you are genuinely reading it, that you are able to understand the contents, understand the message, understand what the relevance of it is to you, maybe. We could maybe include that in clarity. Um, But basically, the Bible being clear is the opposite, for me, of the Bible being some kind of esoteric, um, you know, inscrutable collection of texts that you need some kind of special knowledge uh, just to be able to know like what's going on. And maybe that me- maybe that special knowledge is uh, you can't you can't know what the contents of the Bible are unless you know how to read ancient Hebrew and, and Greek. Or maybe that is some kind of a special spiritual knowledge that you need uh, some spiritual authority to give to you that unlocks the key to a bunch of uh, otherwise confusing stuff. Um, I guess that's sort of the way I'm thinking about the question. I don't know if you have a different way of, of defining those terms or just framing the question, but I, I, I do want to hear how you approach, like, what do we actually mean by clarity? Yeah. Because that's obviously important. 
Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners have have heard pastors and speakers and people say, you know, the Bible clearly teaches, or this passage is clear in that it communicates X, Y, or Z. And you know, as I as I was prepping this episode, and I don't know that I don't know if you mentioned like this this conversation comes out of uh, a number of recent conversations that Lucas and I have had on the podcast um, because. Th- you know, I mean, uh, the the answer the answer to the question is the is the Bible clear? I my answer my the simplest answer to give you is yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that Lucas has said that you don't need some sort of like it's not like the Bible is some secret hidden uh, like rule book for life that only the super elite or those who have been illuminated by the light can can understand. Um, it's also not just some like big amalgamation of words that makes no sense. Um, so it is clear in that, yes, you can pick it up and read it and understand it. Um, but also at the same exact time, some person who maybe has no familiarity with the Bible or Christianity or maybe just has like very superficial understanding, like if they were to just pick up a Bible and start reading, I wouldn't expect them to clearly understand everything that's being communicated. Because even myself, who who has a Bible, a biblical studies degree, I, I spent four years in college studying the Bible, there are still things that I come to and, uh, you know, an interpretation or a passage or... Um, an entire book, maybe even like some of it isn't clear. So we need to be careful in, in in our speech. We need to be careful in our communication on what we mean when we say that the Bible is clear, um, because some so some of my preliminary thoughts as I approach this conversation, uh, I said, if the Bible is clear, why are there so many denominations? Many denominations exist, uh, many even like even Baptist or Anglican or Methodist like uh, will fracture and splinter over differences of interpretation. And so the, naturally I ask, well, why does that happen? Well, it happens because there wasn't necessary, necessarily clarity across the board because if there was, there would have been a consensus and an agreement and there wouldn't have been a fracture, right? Um or maybe you want to look at if the Bible is clear, why are there so many theological differences? Why do Lucas and I differ on, say, baptism, you know, infant versus believers? Um, why, for, you know, back in, let's just say the 1800s America, uh, why did people think that that slavery was okay and use scripture to justify it? Um, well, they, they saw slavery existing in the Bible and said, thus, we can also have slaves. Um so to, to them, that was clear, whereas today we wouldn't say that that is the case. Um, so like that. And also, if I can just interject, yeah. like uh, I'm sure that somebody listening has heard, you know, somebody say something like and back it up with the Bible. And they're just clearly like an idiot, <laughs> like just clearly something stupid being said. But across the board, like to use you and me as an example um, or to use uh, going back through history, like you mentioned, different traditions and denominations, and within same churches, diff- you know, differences and conflicts. Like, where I'm going to, I-, I think it's safe to say we would both assume like it's not the answer isn't oh well the Bible is clear you should baptize babies it's clear as day and the people who disagree with me are uh, dishonest or stupid. And therefore, not reading the Bible fairly. Like, 
somebody could have that position. Like somebody could argue that that's the case, but I just that that doesn't that's not backed up by history. <laughs> that's not backed up by you know if you if you talk to anybody else. <laughs> eventually you'll find something that you disagree with and even if it's a smaller thing um, in the details and uh, I just like if it's somebody that you know I think you'll quickly find that not every person you encounter is stupid and or dishonest and if that's true then you know maybe you're the common denominator and you should reevaluate your judgments but like the reason, you know, baptism is a good example. The reason you and I disagree on baptism is not because there's there's some, I mean, we would both, we would both, we hold our convictions because we believe it is the quote unquote clear meaning of scripture, but not clear in the sense where it's like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a sentence on the page that says baptize babies and Jens is going, I will not, <laughs> right? Or vice versa. Like it, it's not, it's not a matter of that sort of clarity where it's just like black and white there's there's literally no room for debate and the fact that there is debate means somebody is making some choice to to disregard the clear teaching of scripture people do say stuff like that but like we're going to i, I we're going to operate with like that's not that's not necessarily true the majority of the time you know that's probably a very rare occurrence that somebody just straight up is so either ignorant or unwilling to listen to scripture that if they're even interested in talking about what the Bible teaches about X, Y, or Z, um, you know, genuine people who are attempting to interpret scripture still come to those differences um, that the, the differences that you're highlighting. It's not just right. a matter of, of uh, you know, one side is being honest and the other isn't. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a helpful clarification. Um couple other things I just thought of off, uh, you know, just to start this conversation, you know, if, if the Bible is clear, why are there so many interpretive challenges even, you know, Lucas and I spent an entire month, we called it mystery month in July, where we looked at some like just confusing things. We, you know, we looked at um, the woman caught in adultery. We looked at Leviathan and behemoth. We looked at old, like old age in Genesis, how people live to be hundreds of years old. Um, and again, those things are clear and apparent. We can read, we, we, we understand what the words mean. What's not necessarily clear is like how that happened. Uh, you know, in the case of last week, we talked about dinosaurs, you know, it's not clear what dinosaurs were or are, or what happened to them, why they no longer roam the earth. Um, and so, you know, I, I naturally, I, I was like, okay, well, are there any, are there any texts of, of scripture that maybe address things like this? And I came across 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16, and he says, uh, Peter says, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all of his letters. There are some things hard to understand in them. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction, uh, as they also do with the rest of scriptures. Um, so even Peter acknowledges that there are some difficult things to understand. That's not to say it's ununderstandable. Obviously, there are things that we can we can understand. I mean, scripture uh, through through um, through study, through um, exp even just exposure to the breadth of scripture, um, like over time, you can develop a a, a um, you know a theological mind that uh, sort of like opens 
opens you up to understanding things more fully. And again, that that isn't to say that the Bible is not clear, um, but this is a a special book in that, like, if I was going to go to my bookshelf and just pick up a book I've never read, um, that book, just in a similar manner, uh, is both clear and not clear. Because I have an understanding of English as a language. I know how to read it. I know how to understand it. Um, but, you know, the author is going to weave uh, themes and motifs. And there might be things that I'm not familiar with that are, that are discussed. You know, think of like the first time, you know, maybe you read Harry Potter. Um, like, we have an idea of what people are and, you know, maybe what wizards are or whatever. Um, but we don't know the, the world and the lore and like the some of the backstory that fills it. And so as you, it, it, what, what you have to do is continue to read to sort of build up that, that world in your understanding. And again, yeah. similarly, we have to do that with, with scripture. Like we, and imagine, imagine jumping into the middle of book four, right? And you've never read any of the previous Harry Potter books. You've got names that are of people that are not being introduced to you, names of places. You've got, um, you know, characters referencing things that happened, you know, two books prior, um, and, and that, and and then you've got allusions and and just like it's, of you're not gonna say, wow, this was a very clear story, right? <laughs> I started halfway through book four and then finished the series. You know, like it was pretty good, but honestly, it was a little confusing. You know, like, well, yeah, you you read it wrong, like. Not because it, it's not because it was written in such a way that you were doomed to confusion, but like there are there's there's other things going on that that contribute to whether or not you're able to to understand what's being presented, um, even if it's being presented in a very straightforward way. One example being you just skip the first half, right? And like that's that's a great example, I think, because we 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 have the f good fortune of having the entire collection, right? We have all 66 books of the canon. We have Genesis to Revelation. I mean, I'm holding my Bible right here in front of me. I can, I, I have it all. Uh, but throughout history, that has not necessarily been the case. I mean, so p part of this whole conversation even comes down to is like th the people of God's relationship to, to God. Um, because for, for, you know, for, for thousands of years, Israel had just the Old Testament um, or, or what we call the Old Testament. Um, but even for them, depending on the era of history, they didn't have, you know, maybe the prophets or the minor prophets. They might have just had the Torah. They, they could have had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Um, it, it, so today living in 2022 we we have the benefit of history where we have this com completed record of 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 both Israel and the early church and the developing church and uh, a snapshot of what's to come and as we've mentioned a few times recently i don't know why this has come up so much recently um but in god's word we have everything that pertains to life and godliness we have the things that um allow us to live in this world, to love God, to love our neighbor, to, we, we, we have the witness of those who came before us and we look forward to, to what's to come. Um, and so, I don't know, the, the last thing, excuse me, the last thing I'll say before I kick it over to you here, um, this is from the website Got Answers. You guys might be familiar with it. Like they, they it's like a, a biblical reference website, but I, I, I kind of liked what they had to say here. Um, they said, everyone to varying degrees struggles in trying to understand the Bible. 
Even after nearly 2,000 years of church history, there are some Bible verses and passages that leave even the most brilliant of Bible scholars speculating as to what exact or, or as to the exact or correct meaning. Why is it so hard to understand the Bible? Why does it take so much effort to fully and correctly understand the Bible? Before the question is explored, it must be made clear that God did not make his word unclear. The message of God's word is perfectly clear. The reason that the Bible can sometimes be hard to understand is that we are all fallen beings. Sin clouds and distorts our understanding and leads us to twist the Bible to our own liking. So that was like one of their couple explanations as to why it can be difficult to understand the Bible is that sin does cloud our understanding. And not only that, as a result of sin, just simply the fact that we are not perfect beings with with perfect understanding. Like we we have a fallen sense of like comprehension even. Like I'll, I'll I can pick up any book, you know, we can mention Harry Potter or I'm reading like a biography about the band Wilco right now. So I could pick up that book and my comprehension can be, you know, perhaps not as good as other books I've read because I'm either not as focused or I didn't understand something fully and I didn't look into it any further. Um, and so, yeah, as a result of sin, we we cannot read maybe perhaps to the best of our, our abilities. And, and so thus we do not understand something. Um, or how many times, for example, have you heard something said a hundred times, a hundred times over and over, but then like that moment that it clicked, like something was finally different where, oh, wait, okay, now I finally understand this rule or this game or this thing. Uh, that happened all the time in Bible college where it's like, man, I've been reading this passage for, for years. I've, I've read it dozens of times, but like now I finally get it. It wasn't that you had to like reach some like secret knowledge that like now it's finally revealed, um, but through good teaching, through um, through good exegesis, through good whatever, like it, it helps you come to that more full and realized understanding. So I'm curious what else you have to say here. I feel like uh, you've probably got some good stuff. I think an, like another piece too is um, going back to the idea of like, like you mentioned, like you pick up Harry Potter, there's a whole like, or, or, or even something a little more complex, like maybe like, um, so, like something that people are familiar with that's a little more complex, like maybe Lord of the Rings or something where you, you can like, maybe that's not the best example. The story of Lord of the Rings is, is simple enough, but like there's all this background, there's all this world behind it with maps and, you know, the whole Silmarillion, like I haven't read the Silmarillion, but like, you know, describes like the creation of Middle Earth and all this kind of stuff, right? So there's, there's a bunch of stuff that, isn't necessarily written on the page that allows you to better understand or I, you know, not really with Lord of the Rings, but like as far as um, scripture is concerned, really to understand fully what's going on. And I think like one of the ways to think about it is like, do you need to, to read, say um, like the, the, the Torah that recounts the, the early, the early history of, the people of God being called out from the nations, being formed into a nation, being delivered, being given a, a land, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, do you need some kind of like comprehensive or at least baseline introductory understanding of ancient Near Eastern culture, religion, 
history and geography to understand the Torah? No. And if you had those things, a lot of aspects and pieces and sections of the Torah are going to start to make, like you said, a lot more sense. You're going to see things in a fuller light that have to do, because there are, you know, in addition, or, 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 you know, the fact that the Torah is the inspired word of God given to his people, Israel, does not mean that it's not also an ancient Near Eastern text written in a Semitic language by a Semitic people, right? And received in that community and applied in that cultural historical setting. So there's there's a character that comes from a different language, a different culture, and a different time than than us living here, speaking English in the West in the 21st century. And that's very obvious, um, but that also means study of those different cultural, linguistic, religious, geographical, historical settings uh, provide helpful insights. Like, it, it would be kind of silly to say that it, it wouldn't provide some kind of helpful insight for um, more fully or better or in a different way, from a different angle, understanding what's going on in the Torah. And we could do the same thing for the Gospels in the New Testament or, you know, fill in the blank, any piece of scripture. Just like any other historical text, we can read, uh, you know, Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars and we're going to be able to read his history of the wars in Gaul, but we're going to have a better understanding if we know a little bit about Roman history, if we know a little bit about Roman culture, or maybe even Roman, what like Roman military uh, history and 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 how the Roman military worked and that kind of thing. Um, and that that you said something earlier that I think really stuck out to me was like, it's not like the the Bible is unable to be understood. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that are hard to understand. Being clear doesn't mean, in this in this sense at least, in the sense that we're trying to say the Bible is clear, it's not easy to understand, right? It's not uh, reading like a a baby book when you're in college, right? It's not it's not something like that, like reading like you know, the Cat in the Hat when you're in college. It's it's not hard to understand what's going on, easy sentences, small words, all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's that's not to say it's some kind of twist, like a, it's not like a riddle. Like riddles are hard to understand because they're trying to like trick you, they're trying to hide the solution from you or whatever. You have to like, you have, you have to have some kind of, of unique insight or else you cannot understand what the riddle is telling you. That's not what we mean when we say, like, the Bible is, at points, hard to understand. Or even, I'm comfortable with the language of unclear in some aspects. But, but just like with the question, is the Bible clear? If you're going to say the Bible's unclear in this way, you have to really, you have to qualify and, and explain what you mean, I think. Yeah, I think. Otherwise, it's not very clear language. <laughs> right. And that's, that's, that's the point I really want to drive home in this episode, is that, whether you say the Bible is clear, whether you say it's unclear, or whether you say some combination of both, we need to be clear in explaining what we mean when we say that. We can't just say something like the Bible clearly teaches and then say something like, you can have many wives because 
Abraham or whoever had many wives and concubines or like Solomon had what 700 wives and concubines like we can't we can't say stuff like that necessarily you need to you need to qualify your statements you need to show examples you can't just say the bible is clear because x y or z um and i think to to be fair it's not that people do that all the time and i know social media sort of like distorts reality in a sense but i see all the time just scrolling through my timeline, you'll see someone say, the Bible clearly teaches this. And I'm like, well, yes, but maybe in your uh, interpretive way or or maybe in your tradition that another tradition is going to disagree with. Um, because I, I don't think it's very um, appropriate, maybe. I'm trying to think of a better word. I, I don't think it would be safe or wise to say the Bible clearly teaches that you shouldn't baptize infants. I've seen stuff like that on social media where people say that. I you have to be very careful in saying that because there are entire traditions going back thousands of years that would say otherwise. So what is it that you can like what knowledge do you have about this subject that nullifies, you know, 2000 years of church history? That that's what I want to like really address. I, I, obviously like this question of is the Bible clear or unclear is important, but I care more about the the statements that are made both from the pulpit and from, uh, you know, our keyboard warriors in our culture today of, um, you know, being, being, uh, charitable in our speech, being, um, uh, you know, careful in what we say, because people are listening. There are, there are people in your pews. There are people on the other side of the screen who have different theological beliefs and interpretations. And that's not to say that everyone's wrong or right or whatever, but like to, to recognize that the Bible has history, uh, law, poetry, songs, wisdom, prophecy, personal letters, and apocalyptic literature, just to name a few. So even the genres of scripture, you know, unlike something like Harry Potter, where it's a, you know, a fantasy story. Uh, this this has all of these different aspects. And so like historical literature must be interpreted slightly differently from wisdom or, you know, a personal letter that Paul wrote, you know, it might have a meaning for us today, but it might not be the exact same application uh, to us as it was to the person or persons to whom it was originally written. And so like recognizing that fact that the Bible contains these different genres, these different types of books, I think is it is important and key in avoiding confusion, in avoiding misunderstanding, and really just being, it helps us avoid being uncharitable in our discourse. Like there, there's just, the Bible may be clear in its parts, but it's not easy, if that makes sense. Like the, it's not, like you said, it's not the cat in the hat where, where you can just pick it up and understand. However, it, there's like this this tightrope I want to walk because, you know, a five-year-old could pick up the Bible, read it, comprehend it to a degree, um, but that's not going to be the same as when that five-year-old grows up to be 30 and is reading that same book. They have life experience. They've probably heard sermons. Maybe they've been educated to help uh, broaden their their theological mind and understanding. And as we've said before, uh, I, I believe way back in like episode one or two where we talked about what is theology and I had said that it was a revelation of reality, meaning like when we study theology, the more that we uh, read scripture, read theological works, um, we are getting a fuller, more beautiful picture of God and who he is as revealed in his word. And so it's not... Uh, <laughs> 
the Christian life is not just like a, like, okay, so I heard someone say a sermon one time, it convicted me, I became a Christian, and then I just, like, coast the rest of my life. Like, there is an element in which, like, we are continually growing in our wisdom, our knowledge, and our understanding of who the Lord is as we seek to be more like him, as we seek to love him and to his people in the world. Um, and so part of that is a, a, a lifelong pursuit. This isn't just a, I read it once, I fully understood everything in the, I mean, I don't know how many pages are in most Bibles. This one has something like, uh, almost 2000. So, you know what I mean? Like there's going to be like returning to this thing continually over many weeks, months, years even. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, I think the last thing I'll say is that like I started, yes, the Bible is clear, but it's also unclear. And part of making the unclear things more clear is a, a lifelong study, is a, a continual devotion both to God and his people. Um, because these things are not done in isolation, but are, you know, they're done in community. They're done in um, whether it's in institutions like, you know, you're in seminary or it's done in churches, like those things continue to this day because of this lifelong pursuit of, of God and his word and understanding it. Um, so I don't know, that's, that's sort of where I landed. Like, yes, it is clear. You have to be clear in communicating what you mean when you say that. And yes, the Bible is unclear and you have to be clear in under, or in, in, uh, you know, telling people what you mean when you say that it's unclear. So, I don't know. What else do you have to say? Yeah, and I mean, we've we've been getting at this for this last little bit uh, in different ways, but, like, we do not exist in a vacuum. Like, we have a certain historical setting that we are uh, born into, that, we're, that we grow in, that we learn through certain hermeneutical lenses that were either given to us or we intentionally develop or, you know, intentionally take on or, or whatever it is. Um, and that's how we encounter the world. It's not just how we encounter the Bible. It's not just how we encounter texts, but it's how we encounter everything. And when it comes to texts, it, it, that's a, um, a significant factor in how a text is interpreted and how it's experienced. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it, uh, you know, determines what the text means per se, but it does mean that it's going to play a role in how I interpret the text meaning. Um, and there's a lot to be said about that, but the, but the flip side of that too is, is that the, the text quote unquote in front of us, in this case, the Bible doesn't exist in a vacuum either. It's not, you know, Christians do not have a Muslim theology of scripture. In my understanding of Islamic theology is that the text of the Quran essentially fell out of the sky. It, it, it is preserved precisely as Allah gave it. And so like, you know, I've often heard it said that like, if you read, if you're reading a translation of the Quran, you're not actually reading the Quran because the Quran wasn't given in English or Spanish or whatever. Um, and we, we have a different view of scripture as Christians um, that acknowledges the fact that it, that scripture is made up of human documents. They're human documents, not in their origin, but they're human in their production, they're human in their reception, their transmission, their translation, their preservation, superimposed by God's providence as, you know, a, confess, a confessional Christian would, would affirm. 
Um, but it's not some kind of uh, objective box that everything is perfectly placed into from the beginning that's just given from on high and that is what's passed down from person to person for the last you know 3,000 years or whatever. That's not how that's not how it works and we and we know that's not how it works because we can see it historically not working that way. <laughs> like it's it's not a, it's not that's not just a matter of a philosophical or theological position about it. Like we have manuscripts, you know, there 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 is a Greek version of Jeremiah that's like two thirds as long as a Hebrew version of Jeremiah that were circulating in the same time period historically. Which one is Jeremiah? Yes, that's pro it's probably yes. What do we do with that? And this is where the field of biblical studies and textual criticism is so important to answer these more nitty gritty difficult questions. But what those questions reveal to us for today is just that there's 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 a context to which the text of scripture texts of scripture were given. They were produced in a context, and they're, but they're also received and interpreted in a context. Um, and it's important to keep in mind that 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 it's it's the record of God's dealing with his people. Like God, the, the, the Bible represents a record of God's word dealing with his people that has been recorded, uh, that has been divinely ordained to be recorded, to be passed down for the instruction and edification of his people. Um, but it's not, it's not given to you or me as isolated individuals to sit down, open it up, you know, with my ancient Near Eastern atlas and my Greek dictionary and to try to figure out what it means. Like it's a communal text. Um, it, it is a, it is, it is meant, it, it, it only works in a community and that community is the body of Christ in the church because that's how it's given and that's how it's meant to be received uh, is we're not isolated islands who then come together of our own, you know, free autonomous decision once a week to sing songs and hear somebody teach us that we agree we're going to let them teach us about it. We're, we're a mystically united, organic body. That's what the church is. And the church is constituted in part by its reception and obedience to, to scripture. But that reception and obedience doesn't take place in isolation. Um, it can't because otherwise you're not a body, right? Uh, and you see this all over the, the, like, that's the assumption of the text, right? Like, I mean, the Torah is literally the law given to the nation of Israel, right? The the prophets are writing to groups. They're saying, woe to you, O Edom and Israel and whatever else. And um, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he's saying, hey, give this over to the Laodiceans and read the letter I wrote to them. You know, like, it's, it's a... Uh, it's it's not it's it's not really hidden it's not really subtle that the the presumption is an organic community of faith and uh, that's why you need to be in a church and that's why the church exists because that's why God made the church is because there that's that's the goal of creation is to be united to God and that's what God's doing anyway um, but that's important there's there are these these realities that you need to that in order to to understand something you need to recognize to a certain degree it's just part of how you interpret something where am i coming from what are my presuppositions and biases that may or may not be helpful at any given moment and may or may not lead to a to a uh, a good 
interpretation or a good application of, of the text in front of me. But like, if you're not aware of that, you're just going to start going off in all these crazy directions where we're interacting with the text in a way that doesn't make any sense because it's not, it, it, it's not sort of playing by the rules that God has given us, which is that we have his word given to us in his people's community and then received by his people's community, not, uh, you know, a dictation that you personally receive directly from him. You know, that, I'm sure that's happened at points in history, but that's that doesn't represent the normal course of what scripture is and how we interact with it and how it was it was formed originally. So I agree. Yes, the Bible's clear uh, in the sense that its message is not somehow hidden or uh, veiled for you to have to like secure some kind of uh, secret knowledge to get. But it's also unclear in the sense that it's not necessarily going to be immediately perfectly clear what exactly is going on if you're missing certain context and background or if you're missing certain um, uh, certain contexts of reception and interpretation and just reading little bits of it in isolation. Um, that's going to hinder any sort of clear understanding of what's going on, um, if not outright make it impossible. So I think I agree. Yes and no. So our answer is super clear, hopefully, at this point, that yes and no is the answer. <laughs> it, it all just depends, you know. It, yes, no, it depends. It, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, this has been, you know, a, a really fun conversation. It's one that I think... Uh, you know, needs to be had. I think we need to have more, you know, charitable, um, good spirited conversations. And uh, I know Lucas, you've been off of social media for a while. I'm like super close to leaving because like, I just see the exact opposite all the time. Like everything is super argumentative and I'm right, you're wrong. And it's just like this constant cycle of just like frustration. I'm convinced that personally for myself i can't tell you how many times i've tried i've typed out a tweet only to then just immediately delete it i'm not even saying saved in drafts i'm like no i shouldn't tweet this that right there my friends is just like total sanctification that's con conviction and the lord saying do not do this it is not it, there's just no good that can come from this um you know i i feel like we we, we so often forget that like we're gonna stand before the lord and you know what? Your Twitter feed's gonna be a, a nice little, 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 literally a feed, but like a uh, you know, evidence for why why you didn't love your neighbor. So be careful with the words that you put out there into the world. Uh, it's never really gone uh, from the internet, but it's also never gone from the word or from God and His judgment. So I don't know. Tread tread lightly is what I'm saying. Anyway, uh, prior to recording here, Lucas and I had a little bit of. Uh, uh, I think Lucas even used this word in the episode, but divine providence occur. Um, we were trying to determine what prayer we were going to close the episode with. And I was like, I feel like I should read from one of the Psalms. And Lucas goes like, what about like 119 where it talks about your word as a lamp for my feet? And I just like opened my Bible and that's what I opened to. So to me, it seems like that was the uh, divinely given prayer for the day and I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious but it was just a cool providential coincidence 
Anyway, this is Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted, Lord. Give me life according to your word. Lord, please accept my free will offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. Amen. So nice, short, and sweet, and divinely inspired this week. So uh, thank you. And by divinely inspired, I mean normally we read Valley of Vision, and that is obviously not divinely inspired like scripture. Um, anyway, I feel like that just needed to be said. Anyway, thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for listening to any of our other 220-whatever episodes. We, we really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love feedback, questions, episode ideas, uh, pushback. Maybe you want to say something about the Bible being clear or unclear. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we hope you're doing well. Enjoy the new season as it approaches, whether you're, you know, going back to school or uh, starting a new job or starting at a new church, whatever life's throwing your way. We hope things are going well and we'll see you next week.